So, Father, we just pray your blessings upon your word this morning, that you would speak to us today, God, very clearly, that you would give us great joy and delight and faith in the new covenant of Jesus Christ. I thank you, Father, for the testimony of Moses, and I thank you, Father, for what was given to us in the Old Testament as an example for us today. And I thank you for the life that's come to us through Jesus. And we ask it all, Father, for your glory and your will. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want to begin just by a quick review, and I want you to understand that Jesus is better than Moses. Um, I, don't, I don't think any Christian should have a problem with that statement, because as a Christian, you believe that Jesus is eternally God, and he is the incarnate Son of God, and he is the only begotten of the Father. Moses is not. Moses is not God. Moses is not eternal. And Moses is a sinner like us who needs salvation like us. And so Moses was a great man, though, not to take anything away from him. He was a noble man and he was a holy man. And he was a man that was in relationship with God in such a very unique way that few men have ever been. Sadly, even men in the new covenant, even men who have become the temple of God do not have a relationship of the caliber that Moses had with the Lord. And I think that's very sad. I think it's very shame. But nonetheless, that is the truth. Moses spoke with God and walked with God and fellowshiped with God. And God spoke to him and shared many things with him. <clears throat> but in the Bible, we find that Jesus is better than Moses. We also find that grace is better than law. And we also find that the new covenant is better than the old covenant. And so when Moses came, he brought the law. That is what God brought through Moses' life. Now, Moses is the law giver, but he is not the law creator. Moses didn't come up with this. God gave it to Moses when he was in the mountain with the Lord. It was God that wrote the Ten Commandments, and it was God that put this structure. The Apostle Paul tells us in the book of Galatians that the law was given so that it would be a schoolmaster bringing us to Jesus. And so the law would convict us of our sin. Not only would the law convict us of our sin, the law would judge us in our sin, and the law would condemn us. Nobody on the basis of the law is going to be justified by God. All are going to be condemned. Jesus Christ is the only human that ever lived who was without sin. There was nothing flaw, flaw, a flaw in Jesus Christ. He was absolutely perfect and holy. Everybody else has tra transgressed the law. And everybody else, if they're under the law, is going to be judged by the law. And they're going to be condemned. And they're going to die an eternal death separated from God. And Moses was the one that brought that into a covenant relationship with the nation of Israel that Paul would say was to serve as a schoolmaster to bring us to salvation through Jesus Christ. And so Paul would go on to tell us about how important it is that we no longer put ourselves under the law, but we put ourselves under the grace of God and we live by grace because what the law could not do, God by the Holy Spirit is able to do. And so there's wonderful provisions that are given to us. The Bible tells us in John chapter 1, and I'm just going to read this. You don't have to turn there. But it says, the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And of his fullness, we've all received and grace for grace. 
For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. So, guys, when Jesus came, he brought something. He, he delivered something that was to be life-changing. It was radical. And so, what did he bring when he came into the world? Grace and truth. That's what Jesus brought. It doesn't mean there wasn't grace in the past. And it certainly doesn't mean there wasn't truth in the past. But Jesus is the founder and the originator of a new covenant. That men would have relationship with God through this new covenant. And they would no longer be under an oppressive covenant of condemnation that had been established by God through Moses. And because the failure was men's flesh. It wasn't the problem that the law was bad. Men were bad. And they could not fulfill the law. And so going back to the book of Numbers... In chapter 20, I wanted us to just read a few things in regards to Moses' life. And in chapter 20, verse 3, it tells us this. The people chode with Moses, spake, saying, Would God that we had died when our brethren died before the Lord. And why have you brought up the congregation of the Lord into this wilderness, that we and our cattle should die there? And wherefore have you made us to come up out of Egypt? You made us. Just notice that, all right? You made us come up out of Egypt to bring us into this evil place. It is no place of seed, figs, vines, pomegranates, neither is there any water to drink. Moses and Aaron went from this presence of the assembly to the door of the tabernacle. They fell on their faces, and the glory of the Lord peered to them. And the Lord said to Moses, saying, Take the rod and gather thou the assembly together, you and Aaron, your brother. Speak to the rock before their eyes, and it shall give forth his water. And you shall bring forth to them water out of the rock. So thou shalt give the congregation and their beast drink. And Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he had commanded him. And Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation together before the rock. And he said to them, here now, you rebels, must we fetch you water out of this rock? And you just try to imagine that kind of relationship. Here's Moses, pastor in this nation for 38 years now. And the, and the only thing he can say of them at the end of his 30 years of pastoring, you're just rebels. You're just rebels. Moses was sick of them, and they were sick of him at the end of this pastorate. Never happy, never content. And that's about the only type of relationship anybody's going to have that is in a relationship of law. It's just going to be misery. And Moses lifted up his hand, and with his rod he smote the rock twice, and the water came out abundantly, and the congregation drank, and their beast also. And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, and this is what the Lord says. Now listen to this. Because you believed me not, because you believed me not to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel. Therefore, you shall not bring this congregation into the land which I have given them. And I just want you to see something that's very important. We know that the only two men that entered the promised land from the nation of Israel who actually were exiled out of Egypt was two men, Joshua and Caleb. Not even Moses was allowed to enter into the promised land. And the Bible tells us very clearly this is the reason why. He believed not, and he struck the rock. 
Now, I don't believe that Moses is in hell. I believe that Moses is in heaven. He also was at the place of transfiguration, if you will recall. So it's not to take anything away from Moses. He's a man like us, all right? He's not God, but he's an honorable man, and he's a great man. But what I want you to understand is this. There was a time in Israel's past in the wilderness where they also needed water. And there was no water. And this rock was following them. The New Testament says that rock was Christ. And in that initial meeting where Israel needed water, God told Moses to take the rod and strike the rock. He was to hit it. And when he hit the rock, water came out of the rock. And he fed the nation of Israel. This is a different episode. This is later in their life and their history in the wilderness. And again, the children of Israel are in need of water. And there is no water. So God tells Moses that you are to go and speak to the rock. But Moses didn't speak to the rock. He struck it twice. And as a result of that, whether it was his temperament or whatever it might be, God says it was unbelief. You didn't believe me. You didn't believe me to do it. So a lot of people say it was Moses lost his temper and stuff. And I'm, I, I wouldn't doubt that he did. But the fact was he didn't believe God. And God says, you, you didn't believe me to sanctify me among the people. What would have happened? What would have happened to Israel that day? Had Moses walked up to the rock and spoke to it and said, give us water. And all of a sudden water just gushed out of that rock. What would have happened? But that rock was Jesus and he was that rock was the type of Jesus Christ and it was serving as an illustration of Jesus. And you understand when Jesus was here that he was stricken and he was smitten and he was afflicted. But that happened to Jesus once. It'll never happen to him again. And now it is not because Jesus has to be forever sacrificed or forever beaten or forever persecuted or forever crucified. Or a thousand masses has to be done where Jesus is eternally offered in suffering before God. That we can get any of the provisions of God. No, no, no more. He suffered once and for all. And now all we have to do is speak. And the blessings of God will pour forth out of Jesus Christ. That's what it is. But Moses is there and he strikes the rock twice. And as a result of that, because that rock is Christ and Moses messed with the illustration of Jesus in an unprofitable way, God did not allow Moses to go into the promised land. And all of these problems begin to happen. And so when I think about Moses for the 40 years that he pastored the nation of Israel in the wilderness, all Moses could do for 40 years was talk of a better life. All he could do was talk about the promised land. All he could do was talk about milk and honey. All he could do was talk about vineyards and homes that they could live in, that they would never have to build. But Moses could never give them the reality of that. All he could do was talk about it. And beloved, it's the same thing for people that are under the law. All they can do is talk about it. They talk about joy, but they don't have it. They talk about life, but they don't have it. They talk about God, but they don't have much of a relationship with Him. They talk about the blessings of God and the fullness of God and the fruitfulness of God, but they don't 
have it because there's still people living in the wilderness and they don't know what it's like to live in the promise. But how beautiful is the promise and it's available to anybody who believes God. Believe God. Now, belief is an action, right? Belief is something that you're doing. It's not something that you're just going around confessing. Moses went around confessing, but he couldn't get the people of Israel into the promised land. And so faith is something that we do. It is an action of our life because we do believe it. And so this is what is so beautiful. And I think it is so so wonderful that God would give this example to us. Moses, for all of his nobility, all of his character, all of his holy attributes, all of his wisdom, all of his his uh, desires for God and his relationship with God just shows us this. God is not playing. Mistreat my son and you won't enter in. And that son is Jesus Christ. And so you, we cannot at all fool with the things that God would bring to us through his son, Jesus Christ. God's not playing. You can't mix grace and law and get along with God. You're going to miss out on the Lord. You cannot mix that. You cannot mix the old covenant with the new covenant. If you're going to come into the new covenant, you've got to have new wineskins. Because if you try to put that new covenant into the old wineskin of the law, it's going to burst and everything's going to be lost. And so it has to be new and it has to come to God or come to us through the Lord Jesus Christ. And so this is what went on with Moses at the, at the, towards the end or well into his ministry with Israel. All he could do was call them rebels and he's, he's upset by all of this. And I, and, and to me, the striking uh, truth of all of this is Moses left Jesus on the cross. He left him on the cross. He was, he's a crucified Jesus that, that is stricken over and over and over again. And there are people that still do that to this day. There, there are religions that do that to this day. And so I want you to understand that our Jesus is not on the cross and he's not in the grave. He's risen and he's ascended into heaven and he sits at the right hand of God. And because Moses, as Jesus, was left on the cross, then all Moses could do was preach the people to tears and repentance again and again and again. He could get them to be broken. He could get them to be convicted. He could get them condemned, but he could never get them right. Never get them right. And that is what is so very sad. He would woo them. He would threaten them. He would rebuke them. He would encourage them. And with his tireless integrity, he would stand in the gap and intercede for them. But again and again and again, they would return to their backsliding because he couldn't get them in. And we need to understand that. And where I'm headed with this this morning, we need to understand that. He violated the principle of Christ and the principle of victory and the principle of grace. Moses did. And so I want you to understand this with all of my heart. Moses at the end of Numbers where we were reading, and I don't have time to go into it, but Moses now would begin to make some type of an agreement with Amalek and in an, in an effort to, to, to move closer to their promise or to get where God wanted them to go. Moses kind of drafts up a compromise with Amalek and asks, would you give us passage so we can get where we need to get? And would you help us in that process? And if you remember, what is the problem with Amalek? And that is the fact that God says, I will always have war with Amalek. 
I will never make a treaty with Amalek. I will never compromise with Amalek. Amalek is Edom. Esau is Edom. And that is a type of the flesh. And so Moses is there trying to make a, an agreement with Amalek, which as we come into the New Covenant and we come into the New Testament epistles, we would find out that that is the flesh. And that was the problem with the Galatian believers. They got saved by grace, but they're going to finish in the law. They got saved by faith and they're going to finish in works. They got saved by the Spirit of God and they're going to try to finish it in the flesh. We got saved. We got out of Egypt. We crossed over the Red Sea. We want to get into our promise. We're having a lot of difficulties. It seems that all I can ever do is the wrong thing, the bad thing. I'm backslidden. I know there's a promise. I know there's a victory in Jesus. I know that God is capable, but it never seems to happen for me. And we begin to make a treaty with our flesh. Will you help me flesh be more holy? And Paul says, if that's the case, you've fallen from grace. You've fallen from it. And Jesus will profit you nothing. And that is the danger of having Moses in your life. Because that will be the temptation. Is I will reform my flesh. I will make it behave. I will make it do better. And no you won't. You will not. Your flesh will wreck you every time. And so this was the problem. And I want you to go to Joshua if you will. In the book of Joshua chapter 1. Very important thing, and I I mean nothing against Moses, but I want you to understand Jesus is better than Moses. And so in Joshua 1, it says this, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, and so he, and he truly was, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I do give them, even to the children of Israel. And I think this is what is astounding, because he uses the word, therefore, in verse 2. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise and go. That, therefore, presents a conclusion of an argument. It speaks of cause and effect. And God is saying to Joshua, my servant Moses is dead. Go, therefore. In other words, because Moses, my servant, is dead, go, therefore. Can it really be true that the final obstacle to the onward march of God's people into their promised land and their inheritance, that that obstacle was Moses himself? And until Moses died, the people of Israel could not enter. And beloved, I say this to you this morning. Until Moses dies in your life, you cannot enter. I'm not saying that you're not delivered. I'm not saying that you're not going to heaven. But I'm saying that the fullness and the blessings and the joy and the liberty of the Christian life, you will not be able to enter. You will be one of those Things, one of those, one of those people that is always disruptive. You're never content. You find the problems with everything. You're a watcher. I don't like this. I don't like that. And, and this is wrong and that is wrong. And the very presence of God could be in the midst of people. We could be seeing salvations and people baptized in the Holy Spirit having a really loving atmosphere of Christ within the church. But that Moses in the congregation is going to wreck everything. Wreck everything. And so that is the problem of it. And that's what we need to be careful of. 
And so you can argue on behalf of Moses, you know, oh, Moses was the great man of God and he was a great man. There's no doubt about it. And he was the servant of the Lord. There is no doubt about it. And we could say, well, the reason the children of Israel didn't enter into the promised land is because they didn't want to go in. But the question is, did they want to go out? You remember what we read in Numbers 20? When the children of Israel said to Moses, you made us leave Egypt. Well, if you made us leave Egypt, why didn't you make us go into the promised land? I want you to read this in Exodus chapter 14. And I want you to see it. In Exodus 14, the Bible tells us in, in verse 10, and I'm, I'm going to have to speed this up. When Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes. Behold, the Egyptians marched after them, and they were sore afraid. And the children of Israel cried to the Lord. And they said to Moses, because there were no graves in Egypt, you have taken us away to die in the wilderness. Why have you dealt? With us this way. To carry us forth out of Egypt. Is not this the word we told you in Egypt Moses? We told you to leave us alone. We told you we would serve the Egyptians. It had been better for us to serve the Egyptians. Than that we should die in the wilderness. We told you to leave us alone Moses. We warned you of this. Verse 13, and Moses said to the people, fear not, stand still, see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show you today. For the Egyptians who you've seen today, you shall not see them again forever. And the Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace. And the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Speak to the children of Israel that they go forward. And then verse 31 and Israel saw that great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians. And the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. So you, you just got to think about that for just a moment. When God said to Moses in Numbers 20. You believed me not to sanctify me among the people today. And what would have happened had Moses sanctified the Lord that day and spoke to the rock rather than striking it? And here's Moses with the children of Israel. And they're saying to Moses, we told you to leave us alone, Moses. We told you we would serve the Egyptians. We told you we would. And you brought us out of Egypt to die here because there's no grace. And here's Moses, man of faith, believing God, sanctifying God among the people. Stand still and see the salvation of God. God and Moses working together parts the Red Sea. And Israel goes across on dry ground. And God drowns the Egyptians up in the midst of that Red Sea. And all of the people, what are they doing? They're believing in God and they're believing in Moses. Would that have happened at the rock? Was it Moses' unbelief that maybe hardened their hearts? From being able to believe God to go in. I don't know. There's many factors involved in this. But I do know this. What God said to Joshua. Because my servant Moses is dead. Now go. And it couldn't happen until he died. And so I want to go. If you will to 2 Corinthians. Chapter 3. And I want you to read this with me. Because no matter how much we preach it. No matter how much we exhort it. The evidence of limitation in Christians is everywhere. The limitation 
To be able to love God. The the limitation to praise God. The limitation to serve God. The limitation of the gifts of the Spirit. The limitations of the fullness of the Holy Spirit. The limitations of joy. They are everywhere in the body of Christ. Everywhere. So no matter how many times we exhort people to the full life of Jesus Christ. And the victorious life of Jesus Christ. And the abundant life of Jesus Christ. It seems like the masses of people just seem to drag behind. So I want to sanctify the Lord God in our midst today. And I can't make you enter. I can't. You can be a griping person the rest of your life. I got a problem with this, got a problem with that, got a problem with this, and defeat, 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 defeat. Nobody's getting saved by your life. Nobody's going to church with you by your life. All of these, there can be a drastic change by the promised land, by the fullness of the Holy Spirit. The world is waiting for this. And so this is what I read to you in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And this is, this is beautiful. And so we come here and we see in verse 6, and it says that in verse 5, our sufficiency is of God. God has made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. The letter is Moses, if you will. The letter is the law, if you will. The letter is facts, if you will. But the Spirit gives life. But if the ministration of death, written and graven in stones, that's a reference to Moses, was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses for the glory of his countenance, which glory was to be done away, because the old covenant was supposed to be done away. How shall not the ministration of the Spirit be glorious? Yes, Moses was glorious. Yes, the old covenant was glorious. But shouldn't the Spirit be more glorious? And shouldn't the new covenant be more glorious? For if the ministration of condemnation be glory, that was Moses. I can get you out of Egypt, but I can't get you into the promise. If the ministration of condemnation be glory, much more does the ministration of righteousness exceed in glory. For even that which was made glorious had no glory in this respect by the reason of the glory that excelleth. That that just simply means this, that the glory of Moses in the old covenant was truly glory. But the glory of Jesus in the new covenant is so much more glorious that it makes the old covenant not even look glorious. It's so much more superior. For if that which is done away was glorious, much more that which remains is glorious. Because the old covenant was done away. But the new covenant, it's forever. It's eternal. Praise God. Eternal life. Seeing then that we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech. Not as Moses, which put a veil over his face, that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which is abolished. But their minds were blinded, for until this day remains the same veil, untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament. Which veil is done away in Christ. Praise God. But even to this day, when Moses is read, the veil is upon their hearts to this day. And he's going back to the 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 preaching of the letter in verse six of the preaching of the spirit. 
Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. Now, the Lord is that spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with open face, beholding as in the glass, the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory to glory to glory. No, it's not three glories. It's not four glories. It's two glories. And so by the spirit of the Lord, we are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the spirit of the Lord. And so what does that mean? It means this, that truly the ministry of Moses was the ministry of a schoolmaster. And there are multitudes of people that don't even know that. There's a whole Jewish community that doesn't even know that. Even in Jesus' day, the very Pharisees and the preachers of Moses didn't even know Moses in the days of Jesus. They didn't understand that Moses and what he gave us was a schoolmaster to bring us to the Messiah. But they didn't enter into that glory because to even have that knowledge demands the work of the Holy Spirit. For people to understand why did the law was, why was it even given to us? Why did God give an old covenant through Moses, his prophet? Why did this even happen? And the glory of that was because this was going to teach us to put all of our hope and our faith in the Lamb of God that God would give as a sacrifice for all mankind. But the Jews didn't get it and people didn't get it. And when that glory begins to happen in our life, it was supposed to take you to another glory. And that other glory was the glory of Jesus and the glory of the new covenant and the glory of grace that takes you out of the law. Because the law is going to condemn you and it's going to crush you and it's going to destroy you and you won't be justified by God. And so you have to be delivered from Moses. You have to be delivered from the law. You have to not be under it anymore. And it is only by the Spirit of God that you can step into that next glory. And you're saved now. And you're saved forever now. And it's an everlasting covenant of joy and life and delight and fruitfulness and victory. And, and it's not religion and law where I'm trying to do better and I'm trying to be better. But how many preachers get into pulpits week after week after week and drive their people to tears and drive their people to repentance and beat the people and whip the people into the end of their ministries. Preachers just get up and say to their congregation, you bunch of rebels. And the congregation says, I can't wait for you to retire and that's what happens in America everywhere because we preach them to hell and we can't get them into the promise but this new covenant this grace of God this worthy wonderful beautiful Jesus outshines Moses and Jesus' covenant outshines the old covenant. And it is only as you are beholding him by the spirit of God that you can go from glory to glory. And some of you, you're stuck today in the wilderness. And you're going to leave stuck in the wilderness. You're going to have a defeated life. You're going to hear about heaven that you don't ever get excited about. You're going to hear about praise that you can't ever do. You're going to hear about love. You're going to hear about forgiveness. You're going to hear about freedom from bitterness, freedom from abuse that you'll never know in your life because you're stuck in the wilderness 
looking at Moses. What are you going to do now? Why would you bring us out here to die when if you would behold him, then the Spirit of God would take you out of that hell and out of that poverty and out of that limitation and he would take you like he did Joshua and Caleb and say, let's go eat some honey and milk. And let's go live in some houses you didn't build. And let's go taste the victory that I have. Because there's nothing like it. There's nothing like Jesus. There's nothing like his grace. And quit nitpicking, being negative. There's churches for people like that. But let my people be in the spirit of God. For where the spirit of God is, there is liberty. Don't you want liberty, beloved? Don't you want it? Don't you want a life where you're not constantly overseeing your sin and how you can defeat it and stop it and never do this again? Well, I'm sorry, Moses will never get you there. But if you get your eyes off of yourself and your sins and your limitations and see the glory of God and the glory of Jesus Christ and appeal to him and believe him and trust him, the spirit of God will take you out of that and give you victory over the power of sin. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we love you. Stand with me. Father, we love you. We love you. We love you. God, let us see the glory of Jesus, the glory of the new covenant. God, let us see that the new covenant, this life, this abundance that is in the Holy Spirit is true life. It's truly wonderful. And God, please help people follow Joshua, Jesus, out of the wilderness into Canaan. And in case that you're overlooking it and the significance of it, Joshua, the Hebrew name, Joshua, translated in the Greek, is Jesus. What a type, what a shadow. For only Jesus can get you there. Put your eyes on him, believe him. Know that he can. And if you believe that he can, then walk in the spirit. Walk in the spirit and you will find him giving you joy and delight and power and freedom and liberty. Oh, praise God. Praise God for the Lamb of God. We love you. We love you, Lord. We celebrate you. We thank you, God, in the precious, wonderful name of Jesus. How many of you right now just lift up your voices and say, Jesus, bring me in. Bring me in, Jesus. Give me liberty and give me freedom, Lord. Bring me in, God. Bring me into the Canaan of this world, God. Bring me into the life flowing with milk and honey, God. Where I don't have to strike the rock anymore. I don't have to punish myself. I don't have to pay some grueling, painful sacrifice to get your attention. I can just come to you, Father, in the name of Jesus and speak to the rock. And water will come and life will come and joy will come and power will come and wisdom will come. Because I ask, I ask and I believe. Oh, God, I believe. I thank you, Father. Thank you for the liberty and the glory. In Jesus' name, hallelujah.